and we're live with Be Green with Amy. In 2003, diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer, Chris Wark opted out of chemo and used nutrition and natural therapies to heal after his surgery. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Chris Wark. How you doing, Chris? There you are. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. Oh, okay. Doing well. well. I had some technical difficulties. Okay, so I'm glad that you're here. I know that you've been on tour virtually, like all over the, the, the earth. <laughs> and we're going to get you here again, too. And I'm glad that you're here. We're here to talk about something that's so important, and that's cancer. And one of the reasons why I wanted you to be coming on this broadcast is because we have a lot of women that seem to embrace this whole food plant-based lifestyle, but not necessarily men. And we also have a lot of older people that tend to like to embrace this lifestyle, but not necessarily younger people, because especially if they don't have a weight problem or what have you, they don't think that whatever they're doing really matters. Really, I'm so glad that you're here. And it's so important. There are people now that are tuning in also that may not even know what a whole food plant-based lifestyle is, but they heard about the cancer broadcast and they wanted to be here for that. So some people... I don't know who on this planet, but I'm sure that it must be somebody that may not have heard of you yet. So if you could just give us a briefing story about how you got started with this plant-based lifestyle and, and what happened with your diagnosis. Sure. Well, I was diagnosed with colon cancer in December 2003 at age 26. And uh, I had surgery. They removed the tumor. They told me it was stage 3C and that I needed 9 to 12 months of chemotherapy. And instead of chemotherapy, I made a decision to radically change my diet and my lifestyle. I, I stumbled across information. It was really an answer to prayer, but a book was sent to me uh, written by a man who had healed his colon cancer with a raw food diet, 100% plant-based, raw, organic diet and juicing. And I thought, uh, you know, when I read his book, I thought, you know, this makes a lot of sense. I had this epiphany that the way I was living was killing me. And no one had told me this. Right? No one had told me that most of our chronic diseases are caused by our diet and lifestyle choices, by the choices we make, by what we put in our mouth every day, and by the way we think and by the way we act by our stress, and also by our environment. I think everybody who's diagnosed with cancer, you know, wants to connect the dots. They want to understand why they got the disease. And unfortunately, most of them are told by their doctors that it's nothing you did. And the reason you have cancer is either genetic or it's bad luck. And what that does is that can, that basically makes the cancer patient a powerless victim of disease. There's nothing you did to contribute to your life or your health or your situation. And there's nothing you can do to help yourself except for show up for treatment. In my opinion, that's medical malpractice. I mean, it's just complete negligence because there are reams of studies, hundreds of thousands of studies on nutritional science, on the anti-cancer, antioxidant, incredible health-sustaining, health-promoting benefits of eating fruits and vegetables, eating a plant-based diet. Of course, I didn't know this when I was diagnosed, but I, I, I very quickly got on this journey of discovery and, and transformation. And the more I read, the more it made sense to me that uh, when you eat a diet that's rich in 
processed food, junk food, fast food, meat and dairy, sugar, salt, and oils, you are setting yourself up for chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease. There's a long list. A lot of us don't have a global perspective. We don't, we, no one has ever told us that, hey, you know, by the way, the rates of cancer in other countries is much lower, right? There are vast swaths of Asia where cancer rates are extremely low compared to the US. Mexico has half the rates of cancer of the US. The rate of colon cancer is 50 times lower in Sub-Saharan Africa. I, these are pretty important statistics to consider because I think a lot of folks are just operating under the assumption that like, oh, everybody gets cancer and it doesn't matter what you do. And if you get it right, it's just bad luck or bad genes. I, uh, I am not one for victimhood. I'm one for personal responsibility. And, uh, and it's incredibly empowering when you realize that when, when you look in the mirror and you admit to yourself that most of the problems in life are your fault. Hmm. Everything in life happens for a reason. And most of the time, the reason is you. This is not to blame or shame anyone, but this is what I chose to believe and, and admit to myself, honestly. In doing so, I realized that if I created this problem, maybe I can work to solve it, right? If I contributed to my sickness, maybe I can contribute to my wellness through my daily choices. But I got to change the way I'm living, right? I got to change my daily routine. Got to change what I put on my body. I've got to start exercising. I've got to change the way I'm thinking and behaving. I've got to break my bad habits, right? I've got to um, resolve emotional conflict, trauma, and stress in my life, right? I just need to change my whole life. And you can't change your whole life overnight, but you can make some pretty massive changes quickly. Diet was the first thing I changed. So I adopted a raw plant-based diet overnight, <laughs> okay? And uh, because I was so inspired by it. And you know, what you were talking about uh, it before we got on the interview was, you know, you had mentioned that a lot of young people are not eating, you know, whole food plant-based and that's true, right? A lot of young people feel invincible and and I would say there's more young people eating whole food plant-based now than ever before, <laughs> which is good. Uh, at least by choice, there's tons of young people in other parts of the world that basically eat a whole food plant-based diet and it's not because they want to, it's just because that's what's available. When I, you know, started on this journey uh, and started eating a raw food diet, I realized that this was a diet for sick people and weirdos, right? It wasn't like it is now where you can get on Instagram and type in raw food or plant-based and see a bunch of beautiful young people, right? Right, Showing off their deliciously, perfectly arranged, you know, veggie bowls or whatever, or fresh fruit on the beach in a bikini, right? Wow. Like that didn't exist in 2004. There was no social media. So I didn't have any... I didn't have any really, uh, there was no online outlet for me to get inspiration and help. I, I just went from book to book to book, right? And, and, and VHS tape to cassette tape. <laughs> That's how I was learning. The cool thing was, is that everything that I found during that time was, was confirmatory. I just kept reading the same things over and over from different sources, from survivors and from holistic doctors who were saying raw foods, juicing, exercise, detoxification, uh, optimal sleep, fresh air, sunshine, forgiveness. Like these are the things that you need to do 
There's others like fasting, lots of supplementation with is, you know, everything I could find and afford. <laughs> right. Uh, but the foundation of my healing journey started with the diet. And when I changed my diet, you know, after about a week, I started to feel really good. There's always that hump like that, mm -hmm. that you got to get over, right? The first few days of a whole food plant-based diet or a raw food diet, you're going to feel like crap because A, you may have some detoxification happening and B, you may be suffering from food withdrawal. You may be getting withdrawals from sugar, from salt, from uh, animal protein and fat, from caffeine. But once you get over that two or three days where you kind of feel low energy, kind of lousy, then you turn a corner, you start to feel good. And I just realized, I was like, man, if I can, if I can do this, what else can I do? Right? Okay. I, got, I just pulled this really big lever of, of massive change in my life. And I, I think massive action produces massive results, right? If you, if you've got a problem and you want to solve it, you, you should take massive action to solve right. it, right? If you, if you take minimal action, don't expect to solve your problem with a little, you know, just some little effort. Sometimes small effort produces big results and we love that, right? That's great. Sometimes a small shift can produce a big result, but a better strategy is to make huge changes in your life. Of course, you have to stay with them. <clears throat> you can't just uh, go raw for a week and then go back to your old diet. Like you get no benefit from that. But I realized like, what else can I change? And so I systematically started, again, changing my life, reading and researching and learning from survivors and doctors and experts on how I could best support my body's ability to heal. Because I believe that the body is designed to heal, that the body creates cancer and the body can heal it if given the proper nutrients and care. And that is the key, right? Because nutrition and care are missing from healthcare. <laughs> the two most important elements of healing are missing from the healthcare industry. Yeah. Instead of nutrition, you get eat whatever you want. And instead of care, you get pharmaceuticals right? Or surgery right. or radiation or chemo. Right. It sounds like your TV commercials. You have the food and then the pharmaceutical commercial right after it. That right. sounds like healthcare. <laughs> right. I think most of us understand that, that healthcare is a misnomer. Uh, it, they're not, it's not about health, right? It's sick care. It's disease care. And we would have a much smaller healthcare industry if people were eating a whole food plant-based diet. Doctors would be far less busy. There'd be far less doctors. There'd be less hospitals, right? People still die. Of course, everyone dies. Some people still get sick and that's fine. But the vast majority of patients in hospitals are coming into the hospital because they have a chronic disease caused by their diet and lifestyle. The number one cause of cancer is smoking. It's smoking. No one is born a smoker, right? It's something you chose to do and something that you continue to do, and it's hurting you, right? It's hurting you. No judgment, right? You're not hurting me, but it is hurting you, and it's the number one cause of cancer, not just lung cancer. The number two cause of cancer is obesity. This is a tough message. People don't want to hear it. Everyone's sensitive about uh, about their weight, and there's a movement of you know being fat and fabulous, right, and, and uh, happy at any size and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And look, I want everybody to be happy 
And mm -hmm. I certainly want everybody to be fabulous. But the reality is when you're overweight or obese, your body is in a, is in a state of disease. Yeah. And even if you have no, no disease at the moment, you're going down the path of disease and it's coming. Diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, cancers, autoimmune disease, they're coming because, and, and I want to make sure people understand why, what, what, what is obesity? Why does it make you vulnerable to disease? And by the way, it makes you vulnerable to infectious disease, right? We know that one of the highest risk categories for infectious disease from a virus that people are really worried about is being overweight or obese. So why? Well, here it's very simple. When you're when you have excess body fat, those fat cells produce uh, excess hormones like estrogen, and estrogen fuels cancer growth. That's not good. They release molecules into your body and bloodstream that are inflammatory, so they that promotes inflammation. It's a burden on the whole system, right? The excess body weight. Uh, they release fatty acids into your bloodstream that are taken up and absorbed by your immune cells, and your immune cells become obese. This is true. This is scientifically right, this valid. Is scientific. That's right. It's important to understand your immune system is the reason you have tumors or no tumors. Your immune system is the reason you get sick, really sick with an infectious disease, or you have mild symptoms. It's your immune system. And if your immune system is an army that is designed to fight off invaders and identify and eliminate cancer cells, I'm saying if it is, it is, then you want immune cells that are young, healthy, strong, and quick to act, right? Fast acting and long lasting, right? That's what you want from your immune system. And uh, when your immune cells take up these excess fatty acids, they become slow and sluggish and ineffective, right? So the immune system of a person who's overweight or obese is not as strong and not as robust, not as effective as someone who is slim and trim right? Who is in their normal weight range, normal BMI range. So th this is just me encouraging folks, if you're overweight, and I know a lot of folks are, 70% uh, uh, or more of Americans are overweight and over 40% are obese. So I imagine there's people listening right now that are overweight. Again, no judgment to you. I just want to help you understand that you have every reason in the world to get serious about getting to a healthy body weight because it will help you prevent chronic disease. You do not want them, <laughs> right? I promise you, you don't want cancer. You don't want heart disease. You don't want diabetes. If you're willing to change your life now, then you can put yourself in the lowest risk category of chronic diseases, like the ones I just mentioned. I'm not gonna say you can be disease proof or cancer proof, but you can be in the lowest risk. And that's where you want to be, right? Unless you have a death wish, that's where I want to be. So I'm obviously, I'm assuming that everyone listening here doesn't want to get chronic disease. Right. So, I wanted to tell, have everybody guess an answer here because we're talking about everybody having chronic disease. So we like to play true or false with our viewers. And we have a question so guys up there, if you want, type in true or false when we tell the question, then we'll ask Chris to answer it. And if you don't want to type it in, that's okay. You can just kind of think it in your head, okay? And here it is. One out of every two men and one out of every three women will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. 
So you guys type in true or false, and then we're going to ask Chris to talk about that. Go ahead, Chris. That's half true. It's almost true. Uh, one out of every two men will be diagnosed, but it's actually less than one out of every three women now. So it's in between, right? It's like in between one out of every two and one out of every three women, which is not good, right? No. That means it's getting worse. The odds yeah. are getting worse for women. Uh, but it's generally true. But if we want to be really specific, yeah. Yeah. it's a little bit scarier than that. And so, uh, listen, if you're not serious about cancer prevention, you should be because of those odds right there that half of men, men and a third of women are currently predicted to get cancer in their lifetime. Now, that's if you just do nothing. Like if you live, and this is Americans, by the way, this is not worldwide. If you live and eat the way that everyone else lives and eats, the standard American diet, also known as the Western diet, tons of meat and dairy, processed food, junk food, fast food, then you can expect to get the diseases that everyone else gets, yeah. right? You live yeah. like everybody else, you're going you're gonna to end up like everybody else. And look around, right? Look at the rates of cancer, right? They're rising. Look at the rates of obesity, uh, the rates of heart disease, the rates of W. They're going up, right? Yeah. We're getting more and more sick, less and less healthy. So I'm, I'm actually a, a bearer of good news. And the good news is that you don't have to be uh, in that category. You're not just a victim of fate. You are a victim of your choices. And so every day you're sowing seeds, either of health or disease. And so the harvest is coming. You're going to reap a harvest in the future of health or disease. And it just depends on which seeds you're sowing. So, I, you know, as a patient advocate and a survivor for almost 18 years, I mean, this is this is my message that cancer can be prevented and it can be healed. Uh, many, many people have healed, survived and thrived through cancer against the odds because not just because they did treatment or because they were lucky. Right. Mm. Uh, but because they did more than their doctor recommended. Right. Healing happens at home. So if you're willing to change your life radically change your diet, eat the most potent anti-cancer foods, which I talk about in all three of my books. In Chris Beat Cancer, my first book, which I explain my, I tell my whole cancer healing journey and uh, explain exactly what I did to get well. Um, and then the brand new cookbook, which is Beat Cancer Kitchen, which is a full color recipe book with two sections. One is a hardcore anti-cancer diet for healing. And then the other section is just whole food plant-based recipes for prevention and healthy living. So that comes out November 16th. So it's two weeks away. I'm super excited. You can pre-order it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Anywhere you anywhere you buy books, you can get any of my books. Beat Chris Beat Cancer, my devotional, this one, Beat Cancer Daily, or the new one, Beat Cancer Kitchen, right there. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> post <laughs> Yeah. We're gonna post links to your books because thank you. We only have a short time right now to talk about your journey and what you did for healing and what you help others to do. And we just really don't have enough time to go through your whole story, but your books talk about your journey and also about the healing and then the cookbook, which people can pre-order, like you said, that's going to be fantastic because that's what people need to know. What do I do? What foods do I eat? Right. So what do I eat? Talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah. What do I eat? And, uh, I had to figure it out. I went to the grocery store. I bought tons of fruits and vegetables and I had to figure out how do I eat this stuff? Because <laughs> right? I was eating 
fast food every day. I, I was eating microwave sausage biscuits and Eggo waffles and, you know, sugary cereal for breakfast. And, uh, and I was eating, you name it, you know, every, a different fast food restaurant every day for lunch and then dinner, fast food, or maybe I, my wife, we, she and I had been married for two years when I was diagnosed and some nights she would make just sort of a normal dinner chicken and, you know, some rice or green beans or something. But, um, but you know, or I was eating like a microwave dinner or a Stouffer's lasagna or something, you know, just, just the kind of stuff that you just assume is fine. Right. But, and, and I, you know, it got me early, right. I got cancer at 26. I mean, a lot of people, they're not getting cancer that young, but young adult colon cancer is, is on the rise every year. I mean, I, I pay very close attention to all the cancer headlines and all this kind of stuff. And, and, um, yeah, it's one of the fastest growing types of cancer is young adult colon cancer. And it's because our diet, our diets are so unhealthy and our lifestyles, we're not moving, we're not exercising, we're sedentary, we're gaining excess body fat. And that puts you in a state of inflammation and immunosuppression, right? When you're, when you're overweight or obese. And that is, and in, what you're doing is you're creating an, an internal environment that is hospitable to cancer, right? It, you think about your body in terms of terrain. Is the terrain hospitable to, to cancer cells or is it inhospitable? If it's inflamed and immunosuppressed, it's hospitable. That means cancer cells can easily uh, set up camp and start multiplying and form lesions and tumors and then spread to other sites and organs in the body. And uh, then you got a real problem, but you can change your internal terrain with what you put in your mouth. Exactly. And you have some wonderful recipes, I'm told, because it's a pre-order, so we didn't get to see it yet, but you will. And I encourage everybody to go, if you want to pre-order it on Amazon, we, we provided the links for you and you can look in the show notes if you're looking after the live broadcast. Why don't you give some examples of foods that are included in the recipes in the book that are healing for cancer? Well, every- And you make it taste good though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here's the great thing. Every fruit, every vegetable, you know, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, they're all incredibly nutritious. They're all beneficial. And when you eat a whole food plant-based diet, you're getting the widest uh, spectrum of nutrients. And many of these nutrients, your body rarely sees, <laughs> right? Because there are thousands and thousands of molecules that are known as phytonutrients. And these are only found in plant food. You're not getting them in meat and dairy. You're not getting them in animal products. You're not getting them in processed food or junk food. That's really important. It's just eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables, right? Just getting all this good stuff in your body. You're, you're getting vitamins, minerals, enzymes, antioxidants, direct anti-cancer compounds. And then again, these thousands of other phytonutrients. So some of the most potent anti-cancer foods, in fact, the most potent known to man are the allium and cruciferous family vegetables. The, al uh, the allium family is garlic, onions, and leeks. The cruciferous family is broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, bok choy, wasabi, horseradish, uh, and, and some others. But so uh, kohlrabi is another one. Well, what did I just describe to you? A salad. <laughs> right? I just described all the ingredients of a salad. 
And so when I figured that out, I, I realized I just need to eat giant salads, these giant bowls full of vegetables, not just a big bowl of lettuce, right? Um, and of course, spinach is absolutely wonderful. Uh, and, all, and, and I mentioned kale already. So there's, there's some leafy greens in there, but it's mostly the, that bulk, right? The broccoli and cauliflower and then uh, sprouted legumes and nuts and seeds. So you can do sesame seeds, hemp seeds. Uh, you can do almonds and walnuts on the salad. I like to put uh, a fermented vegetable on there like sauerkraut or kimchi. In fact, in fact, the giant salad made the cover of beet cancer kitchen, right? Isn't that beautiful? Right. Oh, so colorful and beautiful. Right. You can see yeah. all the sprouts on there, avocado, sauerkraut, uh, red cabbage, broccoli, kale, uh, cauliflower. I mean, this is, this was my signature anti-cancer meal that mm -hmm. I ate almost every single day, twice a day. Yeah. Uh, I think about how the oncologists sometimes prescribe chemotherapy and we were talking about phyto chemicals. And so in a way, this was kind of a chemo therapy, but it was as nature designed. Yeah. I mean, in the scientific literature, they talk about uh, these nutrients as chemo preventative, right? Which means uh, they're chemicals that can prevent cancer, right? Right. Not every, the word, people associate the word chemical as like something negative, but every molecule in nature, you know, uh, you know, there's good chemicals and bad chemicals, Although again, it, the word has a negative connotation, but yes, phytochemicals or phytonutrients are found in plant food, molecules in plant food that serve your body, that are beneficial to your body. I decided to overdose on nutrition and I wanted to just pump as much nutrition into my body, specifically the anti-cancer foods every day. So the giant salad became a default meal for me for lunch and dinner pretty much every day for years. And, um, Berries are the most potent anti-cancer fruits. So I eat tons of blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries. What did I just describe? A smoothie, yeah. right? Easy to put those berries in a smoothie with a banana or some dates, some, uh, you know, eight ounces of water, uh, all, uh, almonds, walnuts, hemp seed, uh, several handfuls of spinach or kale. You have got an incredible, delicious whole food smoothie that's a meal or a snack, you know, and so that, again, was a big part of my routine. And then juicing, I was getting, getting up every morning and running the juicer and juicing carrots uh, at first, just only carrot juice. And then I expanded a little, added beets and celery, cucumber, garlic, turmeric, things like that to amp up the juice even more, make it more potent in the anti-cancer world. Garlic and ginger, turmeric and ginger are also very, very potent anti-cancer spices and roots. And so uh, I consumed a ton of turmeric and ginger and garlic and peppers. See, the spicy foods are very high in the anti-cancer potency list. And, you know, in American culture, yeah, there's people that love hot sauce, right? But generally, we're not eating a lot of spicy foods like they are in India, right? So, yeah. Or Southeast Asia. That's uh, cultures like that. And so they're, they're naturally or effortless, effortless, effortlessly, <laughs> that's a little tongue twister, effortlessly getting benefit, right? From all the spices in their diet. They're not doing it on purpose. It's just part of their culture. And in the US, we eat an average of one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day. I mean, it's really pretty sad. Yeah. And, and of course, those statistics include yes. ketchup, 
Yeah, ketchup, <laughs> tomato a, a sauce, slice of tomato <laughs> on a burger, or pizza or, has has tomato sauce, so that's yeah. included in those statistics. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> they, it, yeah, French fries, like it, if you look at the school menu plans that you're right, they call pizza and French fries a vegetable, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, okay. Granted, a French fry is a potato, but yeah. uh, but it's the unhealthiest way to eat a potato. Yeah, I went from eating that way, right? Barely eating any fruits and vegetables. Like maybe I'd have an apple every once in a while or bananas. But uh, from, I went from that to eating 15 to 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every day. Wow. Yeah. When you make a shift like that, yes. you're going to, you're going to experience a dramatic shift in your body, right? Like you can't not make a massive change and improvement in your body with that kind of action. So 15 to 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. What happens when you do that is you develop this momentum, right? It's this healing momentum where every day you are serving your body and supplying it with these incredible nutrients and it'll use what it needs, right? It mean, it's not going to use everything you put in there, but it will use what it needs. And so you want to make sure you're giving it the, uh, you know, what I like to call uh, uh, an abundance, right? of options, right? An abundance of raw materials that it can use to repair, regenerate, detoxify, and heal. So this momentum happens as you do it every day. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? You go to the gym for a week, at the end of the week, yeah, you're sore. Are you stronger? Probably not. But if you go to the gym three or four or five days a week, after a month or two or three, you're stronger, right? It's that consistency that starts this momentum, right? The snowball effect of getting stronger and healthier. So it's the same with your diet. It's the same exact thing. The longer you eat healthy, the healthier you get until you sort of reach a plateau, right? Where your body just starts healing things. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm just healthy. I don't have any problems. That's what we do in our community. That's what we encourage people to do. It's the way I live my life. And even now, almost 18 years after my diagnosis, I'm still you know, conscientious about cancer and I'm only 44. So I plan on living a lot longer, right? I plan on living 40, 50, maybe 60 years. Right. And so I could get some other type of cancer if I'm not taking care of myself. So I still eat a plant-based diet. I'm not a raw foodist, but I still eat a plant-based diet. And I still exercise five or six days a week and I keep my stress levels very low and I'm quick to forgive people who hurt me. I don't carry resentment and bitterness and baggage. And I practice gratitude every day. I just take take a moment just to say, thank you, God, for my wife and my children and that I have a home and that I have enough money to pay my next set of bills and uh, I have a car. You know, I mean, I can just go on and on, right? I have clothes to wear. I'm not disabled in any way. And you know, so just practicing gratitude gets your mind off of all of this, all these distractions in the world that, that make you feel like you have less than someone else, right? Make yep. you feel inferior or insecure or uh, like you have less privilege or you uh, have less opportunity or whatever. It's like, instead of focusing on what you don't have, try focusing on what you do have right? Instead of focusing on what, on people who have more than you, focus on people who have less. And then you'll realize how great your life is. And exactly. 
every every time I start to get frustrated or upset or confused, I have this gratitude hack, and it and it's one sentence that I tell myself, and it's it goes like this: Right now, there's someone dying in the hospital who would give anything to trade places with you. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's, that's all it. I have that's to all do. You have, right. I just have and to remind myself of that fact. fact. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't really have any problems. <laughs> you know, there's, I don't need to be upset about this person who cut me on off in traffic, mm-hmm. right? This, you know, rude person or this person that said something mean to me on the internet. I don't need, I'm not going to let that steal my joy, right? Because there are people who would love to trade places with me. They would love it, right? They would love to have my problems. Exactly. And these are the things that cause the stress and that cause the disease, cancer, but also other diseases as well. And you Mm -hmm. had done so much research from the time of your diagnosis until now. So you learned about the healing properties of foods and you learned about how forgiveness is something that is important component to healing. And you learned about how exercise is important. And you've put all these things on your website with lots of free information. And then of course, in your books, you told your stories. And now in the recipes, all these recipes that you have in your new book are a product of your research of what you found to be the best cancer-fighting foods to eat and how to incorporate them into something delicious. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the cookbook, and the great thing about this book, there's raw food recipes, there's cooked recipes. Uh, they're all easy to make. Some of them have have made a longer list of recipes than others, right? Some are short list of, re- of ingredients, I'm, I should say. There's some with a short list of ingredients, there's some with longer list of ingredients, but they're all easy. My wife and I are not fancy cooks. We're not foodies at all. We just want to eat healthy and we want it to taste good. And we also, we love, um, you know, we love cuisines from around the world. We love Cuban food. We love Indian food. We love Ethiopian food. We love Asian food uh, and South American food. So there's there, there's a lot of recipes that come from, you know, right, all these different wonderful cultures uh, around the world that have unique ways of preparation and, and of course, spicing and, and, uh, ingredient and flavor combinations and things. So yeah, it was a super fun cookbook to put together and we had some great help with it. And, uh, from a friend of mine who's, uh, took all the, the photographs, he's a professional food, food photographer. And, um, yeah, so I'm trying to make it as easy as possible, uh, for people to, change their life, right? And it just starts with your daily choices, just shifting your daily routine into into a healthier habit, right? That's starting making exercise a priority and then finding meals that you enjoy, that fill you up and give you energy that are plant-based, that are rich in anti-cancer and antioxidant compounds. Again, it's simple stuff. Like I, One thing I'm always doing, I'm always gravitating towards simplicity, trying to keep things simple because lies are complicated. Truth is simple, right? And the more complicated your life, the more stressful your life. And stress is a root cause of chronic disease. We haven't even talked about this yet, but one of the, one, one thing I talk about in, in Chris Beat Cancer and in Beat Cancer Daily, which is a daily devotional, a daily reader, uh, 365 days of inspiration, encouragement, and action mm-hmm. steps to survive and thrive is the subtitle of that book. But um, I, I'm, one of the big themes in that book is stress. 
in how to identify and eliminate chronic destructive stress in your life. Because when we're stressed, what we end up doing is we self-medicate. Exactly. And we self-medicate with food, right? tobacco, alcohol, drugs, the legal kind and the illegal kind, <laughs> with uh, gambling, with spending money we don't have, with binge watching, uh, with too much time on social media, with pornography, right? So all, these are all ways that people seek to self-medicate that are all destructive. Yeah over time and, and they have the excuse in their mind that oh i'm so stressed so i deserve this right but and, you don't deserve what it gives you and they may not even make excuses they may just do it right yeah. it just yeah. they're just they have so much stress that they just have to get their mind off the stress and those yeah. are all ways that people get their mind off their stress some of them are artif produce artificial joy right mm -hmm. it's not true joy or happiness it's just a momentary pleasure and that works in the short term you can certainly distract yourself in the short term from your problems but your subconscious mind is never distracted your subconscious always knows about every problem right and so it's like your, your mind, your conscious mind may be distracted by like, oh, what's he doing on Facebook or who, what's, who's saying what, or where are they? But your subconscious mind is like, hey, we got this problem. We got that problem. We got this other problem. We got all these problems. W what are you doing about the problems? You're not working to solve the problems, right? And when that is your state, then you, you will end up in fight or flight. Your sympathetic nervous system will be activated, which is inflammatory and your body can't heal when you're in sympathetic dominant state in a, in a sympathetic dominant state. So healing happens where you, when you're in parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. So you're either in fight or flight or rest and digest. There's only two options. Getting out of fight or flight means identifying the root causes of your stress, the root causes of your pain, right? Mm. Your worry, your fear, your anxiety the root causes of your envy and jealousy, of your anger and bitterness, right? What are the root causes? So like, yeah, if I'm angry, I can go smoke a crack rock and I feel better, <laughs> right? But that's not getting to the root cause, right? And when I come down off of that, uh, I will still be angry. It's kind of like this. If, if water is dripping from your ceiling, you can put a bucket under it and prevent that water from damaging your hardwood floors. Eventually, and go watch TV. <laughs> right. You can distract yourself and go about your day and you can keep changing that bucket when it fills up. You can keep pouring it out. But guess what? Eventually, if that drip continues, your ceiling is going to become saturated with water and your ceiling is going to fall in. Mm -hmm. Right. It's going to get so heavy that it falls in. And now you got a huge mess and a huge problem. And it's even more expensive. If you want to solve the dripping water problem, you got to get up on the either first in the attic and make sure it's not a leaking pipe. And then get on the roof and find the hole and patch it, right? You've yeah. solved the root cause of the dripping water. And, you know, you never underestimate the power of a steady drip of water, right? Mm -hmm. Like steady drip of water can, can cause incredible destruction. Right. That's <laughs> right? how rock and, formations were made right. over time. Just a right. little bit of a drip. Exactly. So <laughs> this is the same you know, this analogy works very well for our problems in life, right? These steady little nagging problems that feel like a tiny drip, like they feel insignificant, small over time, 
create huge problems yes. for us if we don't deal with them, right? If you don't deal with it when it's small, it's going to grow and it's going to get bigger and bigger over time. There's some strategies that I talk about in both of my books to, to identify and eliminate chronic stress. Because look, if you are going in a day-to-day -day state, living in a day-to-day -day state of stress, fear, anxiety, worry, anger, bitterness, envy, resentments, you're bouncing around between all of these negative emotions, right? It's just from one to the next, to the next, to the next. You're folk, you're thinking about your past and you're, you're angry at people from your past that have hurt you. You're thinking about the future and you're worried about what's going to happen because you watch too much media and the news is just scaring you every single day about the world, you know, world hunger, the wars, the economy, some virus, a germ, right? You know, what's going to happen? Uh, and then you get on social media and you look at other people and you think, oh, these, all these people have everything better than me. They just look at them vacationing and with their cars and right. And then now you're just in jealousy and envy and you're starting, you resent them. So these are all really negative states, right? Past, present and future, right? In, in any, anywhere your mind goes, right? It's in a negative state. So you have to first catch yourself doing it. And you have to decide, I've got to break this bad habit, right? These are bad mental habits. I've got to break them, right? It's like if you're, you've got a bad habit of picking your nose or biting your fingernails, like you can catch yourself in the middle of doing it and stop, right? You can pull your finger out of your mouth and be like, I'm not going to bite my fingernails, <laughs> right? I want to, I'm going to choose not to do it. So like when you start to think uh, enviously, right, of someone, you can catch yourself and say, I'm being jealous, I'm being envious right now. And uh, I'm not going to do it. Let me just take a minute to to count my own blessings, right? What's good about my life? Oh, yeah, right? Like I said, I have a roof over my head. I have people who love me. I have, you know, clothes to wear, food to eat. Catching your thoughts, being mindful uh, is so important. And changing your thoughts, choosing to think differently is part of this process. And you can't do this overnight. It really takes a lot of practice and effort to change the way you think, but you can do it. And cancer taught me how. I was highly motivated <laughs> and I learned how to be content in my most difficult season of life, right? When, when I had every reason to be angry, right? Every reason I got cancer. Yeah. I got every reason to be pissed off at life and the way it's turned out. But I realized I couldn't just continue and just being angry and negative and cynical and bitter. Couldn't do it. I was like, I've got to, got to let this go. And I've got to just, Focus on what's good in my life right now in the middle of the, the worst possible scenario, right? I mean, it, it could always be worse, but it was pretty bad. So, so that's one important strategy is being mindful, catching yourself thinking negatively, catching yourself in negative thought and emotional patterns and interrupting them and choosing to think differently. Like That's like a forced reboot. Uh, and then dealing with unresolved conflict from your past is also really, really critical because when you're carrying anger and bitterness and resentment toward people who have wronged you, who have hurt you in the past, those emotions are powerfully toxic. They suppress your immune system. They keep you in a state of distress, in a state of fight or flight. And when you're in that state, your body is pumping adrenaline and cortisol, right? When you're stressed, right? Any source of stress, your body's pumping adrenaline and cortisol. 
And those hormones suppress your immune system and they promote inflammation and they interfere with your brain function. You think and act differently when you're under stress, right? And they interfere with your digestion. You don't even absorb nutrients from food as well as you should. So that's why you got to get out of this state of fight or flight. And, and so the way to get out of it, you can get out of it temporarily with medications, right? But the way to get out of it permanently, right, is removing those sources of stress. So how do you do it? Forgiveness. You've got to forgive every person who has ever hurt you in life. Got to do it. You have to do it because holding on to that anger will not hurt them. It only hurts you. It's like drinking poison and hoping it hurts someone else. It doesn't. And the longer you drink, the sip on that poison, that bitterness, the more bitter and angry and unhappy and depressed right, you become. Right. Because your, your brain and your body don't know that it's not happening now. You're experiencing the emotions of the past but your body feels like it's happening right now. Your body responds in the same way. That's right. Now, it may not respond as severe as it would in the moment of a carjacking, right? But it's still responding and it's still elevating your stress hormones and they're still suppressing your immune system, right? So when you're going day in, day out in a state of immunosuppression and chronic inflammation, guess what? You're on the road to disease. Or if you already have disease, you are perpetuating the disease. So forgiveness is incredible. It's so powerful. It costs you nothing and it releases you from a prison of pain. Now, when you say forgiveness, are you saying that if somebody wronged someone that they should go up to that person and face to face and say, I forgive you, let's make believe nothing ever happened, and let's just have a relationship in the way that is if nothing ever happened. Is that what no. you mean by forgiveness? Because I think nope. a lot of people, when they hear forgiveness, that's what they, I think they envision, and then they shut down and say, oh, no, no, I can't go there. So let's kind of say what that means. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. And it doesn't mean you ever have to see the person again, right? You never have to see him again. You don't have to talk to him. You don't have to tell them you forgive them. You just have to make a decision in your heart that you've forgiven them. And so the way you do it, it's very simple. I just say, you know, when you're thinking about the person and the moment and the thing they did, right? It's right there in front of your mind. You just say, God, you know what they did? You know how I feel about it. It still hurts. I'm still angry. I'm still upset. But I'm choosing to let it go. And I'm giving it to you. Right? They're all yours. I'm not going to carry this anymore, right? I'm not going to carry the anger or the pain anymore. And forgive me for carrying it for so long. I'm asking you to bless them. I hope you don't, but I'm asking you to bless them, <laughs> <laughs> right? You can forgive and say, I hope you don't in, in your forgiveness statement. You know, <laughs> that's, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's real. You know, you're being real, right? You're being exactly. real. God knows your heart. He knows yeah. your heart. He knows you want justice. And, and, you know, we're wired for justice, right? Mm -hmm. All of us are wired for justice. And we grieve at injustice when we experience it or when we see it in the world, right? It it's troubles us because we are wired for justice in our, in our core being. You know, when you pray that way, when you make the decision, I'm forgiving them, they're all yours, right? I'm letting it go and I'm asking you to bless them, right? When you, when you just pray that simple way, I'm telling you, you are opening up your heart 
for God to just come in and heal. When you hold on to anger and, and bitterness, you end up with a hard heart, right? It hardens your heart. If you have a hard heart, you're going to have a sick heart, really. And if you have a sick heart, you're going to have a sick body. Forgiveness heals your heart. And that's when your feelings change. See, your feelings change after you make the decision to forgive. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? That's really good advice. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And by the way, when he gave that advice, people were like, what? What is this idea, right? Love your enemies. No, we hate our enemies. They're our enemies, right? It's it's such a, such a long ago idea. It's a and radical... It, it's it still stands today. Radical and transformative and healing idea. That is right. true. And so, you know, just do it and see what happens. This is my challenge, right? Make a decision to start forgiving the people who've hurt you. And, and I decided to forgive everyone, right? I'm like, there's not anybody who I'm not willing to forgive. And so I just worked through it. You know, every time a memory would come up of someone who had hurt me in some little way or big way, I would just be like, okay, here we go. I'm going to forgive this person. And I would go through that just simple exercise that I just talked about. And you and might then, have to do it a few times because it, it might pop back in again. You right. might have to say, wait a minute, that person I already forgave. Let's, let's yes. check through this one again. <laughs> That's exactly right. So <laughs> let's say a week later or a month later, when you think of that person again, you may feel those feelings, right? You may still feel the resentment and the hurt. And in that moment, you just have to catch yourself and say, you know what? I chose to forgive, to forgive them, right? right? I forgave them. I am letting it go, God. Just God bless them, right? I'm just... Forgiveness is like a healthy diet. It only works if you stick with it, right? Forgiveness is a decision for life. You just have to remind yourself like, no, I'm not going to let the bitterness and anger creep in, right? I'm just going to shut it down. As soon as it starts to, I'm like, no, I forgive them. Let it go, right? I'm not going to, we've all heard this expression like, oh, that person, they've got a lot of baggage, right? Yeah. What is that? Right. Baggage is carrying all of the pain and anger and bitterness toward people from your past, right? It's like every every time someone hurts you, they drop a brick in your backpack, right? And so you've got these giant backpack full of bricks, right? That's all your baggage. And you're just trudging through life with all this baggage. And it's it's a burden, right? It is a burden. And when you forgive, it's just like you slip out of the backpack, right? You just go shoop and you drop it on the ground. So when you, you so this is just all healing. It's all with your forgiveness, your lifestyle, with the lifestyle as far as the whole food plant-based lifestyle, and also the exercise and probably some meditation. It's not just one thing. And some people say, Oh, I adopted this lifestyle, it didn't do anything for me. Well, first of all, you probably didn't go hundred percent. But even if you did, the things that Chris is talking about today, these are other things that you really should think about and be inspired about. I had a question pop up, but it has not, not to do with forgiveness, but it has to do with your books. I wanted to give one of our sure. chance. So Anne wanted to know, does your new book have recipes or modifications for those of us who have very delicate stomachs, who cannot do raw or spicy? Yeah, there's definitely cooked food recipes in the book. And you can certainly use less spices, absolutely, with any recipe. And, uh, and find that level of spice or no spice that is, that works for you. Uh, yeah, easy. No, no problem doing that. That's what I love about this lifestyle because when you're cooking, you can just add a little bit of something and you can taste it because you don't have to 
worry about cross contamination or anything. Yeah. You can taste it when it's raw before it's right. cooked. So. Well, something you just said that I wanted to touch on because I know we're getting short on time yeah. here is that there's a lot of people who are willing to to eat healthier, and that's great. Uh, but you can eat the healthiest diet in the world, right, and exercise every day. But if you're still holding on to anger and bitterness toward people who've hurt you, you may not get well, right? That may be the single barrier to your health and healing is forgiveness. So I just, again, I want to really emphasize this to your, to your audience because the diet and exercise and the physical stuff is really important, but the mental, emotional, and spiritual stuff is equally or even more important. So that's what we call holistic health right? If you're taking a holistic approach to health and healing, then you have to step back and look at your life. You've got to face your flaws and fears and failures. You kind of spread your life out on the table and just decide, okay, what is, what is valuable? What am I, what am I doing in life that is valuable and helpful to me and beneficial to me? And what am I doing that's harmful, right? And I've got to identify those harmful thoughts and actions and habits and I've got to replace them with healthy ones, right? It, just, exactly. it takes a little time, but it's worth it. I wanted to let everybody know that you have something on your website, Chris, for if you have to have an encounter with an oncologist, you have something that they can go to on crispycancer.com for them and it's free. And you thank, want to come thank you for mentioning that. I do have a free download. Everything on Chris Beat Cancer is free and there are no ads on my site. I've interviewed tons of doctors and survivors and experts uh, and you, it's just a huge repository of encouragement, inspiration, and practical information that you can use to help yourself. That's, this is what the site is for. I created it to be what I wished had existed when I had cancer. Oh, yeah. Like you said, or there is a specific resource on there called 20 Questions for Your Oncologist. You can find it on every page of my website. Uh, and that will, uh, if you... Uh, you put in your name and email and I send you the guide and it's a one hour audio program with a downloadable guide and transcript that'll give you the most powerful questions that you need to ask, whether you're, if you're a patient or a caregiver of someone with cancer, or if you just want to get an inside, uh, you know, education on how the cancer industry works, it'll be very eye opening for you. But patients don't know the right questions to ask and they don't, a they don't ask any questions. They usually ask, am I going to lose my hair or am I going to, do I have to miss work? You know, they don't ask the, some of the most important questions that you need to know, because if you don't ask the right questions, you can't make an informed decision and you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So one example is, will this treatment cure my cancer? <laughs> That's a very basic question that nobody. It's so basic. About it's asking. so obvious. But yeah. many patients, they don't ask it because they're afraid to hear the answer. Right. Mm -hmm. But you need to hear it. Right. You need to know the answer because look. If you say, will this treatment cure my cancer? And the doctor says, no. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second. Why, why am I doing this treatment? Right? That takes you down a whole different avenue of, of questions and investigation right. and knowledge. Yeah. So, uh, so those my, 20 questions are going to be really helpful because these are very helpful. people don't nor normally think about. Mm -hmm. And wow, our time just flew by so quickly and you're touring around the world virtually. So I don't want <laughs> yes. to make you stay. I want you to stay longer, but I know that you have deadlines also. The virtual I, book tour. Yes. <laughs> but I really want to thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for coming and spending time with Be Green with Amy. Our fans just love you. And I'm really hoping that we have some new people that don't even know what a plant-based 
plant-based lifestyle is and have new hope from hearing about you and want to check out your books and your website. And Thank I'm you, Amy. To, it's been really fun. Yeah, I want to ask all my listeners and viewers, tell us, what are you going to remember? What is your takeaway from today's interview? And you can even type it in the comments if you want, or just think about it and maybe tell me later in an email. And I want to ask all of you to please stay tuned for a special announcement. We're going to, first of all, I want to thank Jess Tat's voice from, for doing the countdown, and she also did the promo. And I wanted to also, most of all, thank all of you. So let's go and see who is coming up next. Hot flashes, night sweats, irritability, oh my. Bring your menopause questions for Lifestyle Medicine and OBGYN, Dr. Elizabeth Fontaine, MD. Join us on Wednesday, November 10th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy, live. Until I see you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be, be green. green. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, Chris. I can only imagine what you're going through, and you're not even having to leave home, but you're probably just like frazzled with all these interviews. Yeah, but it's good. It's a good thing, reaching more people, and uh, and that's that's good. That's what I'm here to do. Yes, and I'm going to do my best to promote everything that you do because you are just so awesome. Oh, thank you. So generous with your time, and I'm so glad that you found this lifestyle, and I'm so glad that you're reaching out to help other people because that's what I'm all about. I just I just learn about this and I want to spread the word. And I'm glad you helped me to do that. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Bye, Amy. Bye.